Let us take a moment to pray before we think about God's Word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be true and pleasing, touched by your grace, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Uh, just last week, uh, weekend I think it was, I was talking with some of the tech guys about various bits and pieces, and as is normally the case with them, other topics come up in conversation. One was songs from the 80s. And so I got listening to some bits and pieces on Spotify the week after, and, and then it got me thinking as I was preparing for this message, what songs would sum up 2020? What songs would sum up 2020? And, and knowing that this kind of thing we do as a society, lots and lots, and as we enter a new year and approach the end of another, um, I thought, right, I'll do some internet searching here and I'll see what other people have come up with and what suggestions are maybe there. So I posted on Bray's Blether, I think, as well. And so I picked up a few ideas and here's a quick video with some of other people's suggestions. Feel free at home on the live chat to share some of your own ideas of what songs you might have summed up 2020 with. Obviously, what was shared there were, were some of the slightly more humorous uh, songs picked up by individuals, trying to echo some of those feelings, frustrations that we've probably all felt this past year. And music has that wonderful capacity, does it not, to, to capture some of what we feel? And we can often link a piece of music with a particular memory or event, or we might hear a piece of music and it will recall for us both emotion and memory of long ago. Through music, we can often articulate what we are feeling inside. Nevertheless, there have been other feelings than what was shared in those songs. Feelings of genuine isolation, of grief and loss, of anger and frustration, of worry and fear. And in the face of that depth and range of emotion, we probably don't resonate with those songs. We probably don't like the jest in those songs. We maybe feel that no song can truly capture what we're feeling, that the rawness of our emotions and of our pain is just too much for any one song or maybe even any song at all. Maybe part of that is also that 
that a song is, is just a song and it comes and it goes and it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. And, and so don't we need something more, more than a song as we reflect on 2020 and prepare to enter into this new year? I think we maybe do. And that's where Matthew chapter 2 comes in. It's a tough portion of scripture and I don't imagine that we often teach from it in Sunday school. We kind of skip over it, forgetting the last part of the Christmas story. We, we stop at the Magi and the gifts they bring to the baby Jesus because it's, it's cute and it's heartwarming. But we forget that they had to flee for their lives. There is this final portion of the Christmas story from, and captured in what we read today. That Jesus, the promised Messiah, is born in a land and at a time full of trouble, tension, violence, and fear. Before he had even learnt to walk, Jesus was a homeless refugee with a price on his head. So what are we meant to see here? What do we see of the identity of Jesus? And what has that got to do with us on the cusp of 2021? Well, firstly, let's remember what we read last Sunday. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is Jesus. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and his coming into the brokenness of our world is how he will go about changing the world. The promised Messiah will not live in pomp and ease. Instead, he is with us. There's no point in him arriving in comfort when the world is in misery. There's no point in him having an easy life when the world suffers violence and injustice. If he is to be truly God with us, Emmanuel, then he must be with us in the pain and in our brokenness. He must know what it is to live in fear and in need and in isolation. Friends, I believe we do have more than a song. We have a Savior who is with us in the struggles. Not that those struggles miraculously disappear. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, after all, knew real hardship, even though they knew moments of God's provision and protection. But God was with them. And God is with us. We have more than a song. We have a Savior. He is Emmanuel, God with us, here with us. And in every moment of our brokenness. Our passage today has another point to pick up on, though. That not only is Jesus there in the experience of the reality of this world, he is also the hope of this world. Three times Matthew says that Jesus is fulfilling Scripture and what happens in this part of the chapter. But Jesus is fulfilling the Scriptures in a different way to what we read earlier on in, in Matthew chapter 1. There, Jesus was fulfilling what had been predicted thousands of years ago. But here, Jesus in, and the events surrounding his birth are, are seen as fulfilling what had already happened 1,000 years before. In Matthew chapter 2, 
in three parts, we see Jesus as embodying once again the story of Israel, God's people from long ago. In the Old Testament, Israel went down to Egypt to seek safety in the famine. The story of Joseph, we might remember that. And then in time, God led them out under his protection to the promised land. Likewise, Jesus seeks safety in Egypt, amongst the Jewish colonies in Egypt, probably numbering in the millions at that time. And then when the time was right, Father God led his son Jesus out of Egypt and back to the promised land of Israel. What is more, that section where we hear a voice of is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, that is an echo. And it's echoed by those 10 to 30 families probably who suffered at the hands of Herod. They, their wails, their weeping, their suffering is an echo of that time. In the time of Jeremiah, when Israel suffered at the hands of the Babylonians and was taken into exile. In each story, including the account of Jesus being a Nazarene, we are meant to see solidarity between the story of Jesus and the story of God's people. And in that solidarity, it is meant to renew hope. Because when those families wailed at the time of Israel, the prophet Jeremiah also spoke about how God would fulfill his promises and bring the people home, that there would be life out of death and hope would arise amidst darkness. We're meant to see that Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel's story and thus that hope is still alive because Jesus is still alive. He is the promised Messiah, and the mission he came to fulfill will not be thwarted by Herod, will not be thwarted by anything in all his life, and it will not be thwarted now. He will bring life and justice and peace. He will bring freedom. And so we can have hope because of him. Friends, this year has been so hard. And as we enter 2021, we face a future of, of immediate tighter restrictions even now, having to literally turn people away from this morning's service, and so much more besides not being able to spend longer with our loved ones over the Christmas period. We have questions, as we heard in our prayers, about the new strain of the virus, and we still wait for things to go back to normal. It's essential to know Jesus is with us in the struggles. But I think we need more than that. We also need hope. We need to know that hope is still alive. And it is still alive, friends, because our Savior is alive. He is with us. Not only in stories from 2,000 years ago, but here and now. For the babe that came at Christmas grew to be a man, and yes, he died on a cross, but three days later, he was raised to life. Father God vindicated his death on the cross, and so for 2,000 years, the testimony and hope of the church has been that Jesus has conquered death. He was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. So, brothers and sisters, as we go into 2021, let us look forward. Look forward to a year in which Jesus will journey with us in every moment. 
in every season, every high and in every low, because He is Savior, the Savior who is Emmanuel, God with us, alive even today. To help nurture this faith in us, to help nurture this hope in us, I want to invite us all here and at home to consider doing something, joining with me in doing something this year. It's my practice, as you've probably heard me say in a number of sermons, to begin my day by reading a portion of Scripture and thinking about what it may mean for my life. And often in those, a timely word from God will come, bringing hope, encouragement. Most days, there's a measure of challenge, of, of call into what it means to follow Jesus. I've been planning uh, from about early December that on the 1st of January, I would begin reading through the whole of the New Testament again, rooting myself in the accounts of Jesus and the teaching passed on to us. So I'd like to invite you all to consider doing this with me. So later today, a copy of this reading plan will be emailed to you and put on our website and Facebook page. And we'll also post the copy to anyone who's on our mailing list. And each day, there's something to read. And there'll be five readings in the week. And then there are a couple of questions that you use simply every day to think about, well, what might this mean for me? How is maybe God speaking to me through this portion of Scripture? Because if we want to be a people who keep our faith in Jesus, who have hope because of Jesus, and who know Jesus with us in the struggles, then the testimony of Christians across the ages is that we need to be regularly in the Scriptures. And maybe if we do this, and do this as a community, then we might also find support and encouragement from one another and together as family stay connected to Jesus, knowing that he is alive and journeying with us in all the struggles of life, not only in 2020, but forevermore. I pray it may be so. Amen.